This is the Warriors Community Podcast. We inspire, equip, and empower others. We inspire by sharing our stories, our personal experiences, by asking questions and answering questions for other people. We equip by sharing our resources. What books have you read? Podcasts have you listened to? Even movies that you've watched? What tools have worked for you or haven't worked for you and why? We empower by walking through healing journeys with each other and just walking through life in general. We hope that by listening to this podcast, you feel inspired, equipped, or empowered. Now, not every podcast series is applicable to you. And we know that, but we hope that you are able to take something away from each podcast and hope that there is a series that really does speak to you and that you relate with personally at some point. We are in the enough series right now, but we are planning more series to come out with to inspire, equip, and empower. Enjoy the podcast. Before we begin today's conversation, I do want to make a brief disclaimer. Not all of the views, beliefs, and core values expressed by guests on this podcast necessarily reflect the views, beliefs, and core values of myself or the Warriors community. However, we at the Warriors community do believe that everyone has a right to speak up, to speak out, and to share their story. And with their story will come what they believe, what they think, and what they feel. So I hope you enjoy today's podcast. I hope that you walk away feeling challenged or feeling inspired, equipped, and empowered. Welcome back to the Warriors podcast. Today I have Amanda back. Amanda has been with us several times. I've enjoyed every time you've been on this podcast But I thought it was important instead of having a discussion about a specific topic, I thought it would be really important to have Amanda share her story. I thought it was important for everyone who wanted to share their story, who is a part of this ministry we've been exposing to share it. So if you have not yet heard Hannah's story or Rachel's story, I would highly suggest that you go back and listen to both of those. They are night and day different, but I think powerful in their own way. Amanda has a very unique story to tell. Everybody does, but I'm excited for Amanda's because in casual conversations since we've reconnected, which was September 2022, Amanda was the one who contacted me first to give me an update on what was going on in this ministry and how things had gotten worse over the years. So she was really the original whistleblower to say, whoa, uh, (laughs) this is happening and it's not okay. No. So we've been reconnected for several months and just catching up, reconnecting. And I've been hearing things from Amanda that are very different from who I thought she was when we were together in this ministry. And through that, we've learned not just from Amanda, but so many people who came out of this ministry were lied about, or maybe their story, their personal experiences were taken out of context. They were twisted. It was 
turned into something that it wasn't. That's happened to me. It happened to Amanda, to a list of people. So I asked Amanda, would you share your story? And would you be willing to tell the truth and change the narrative? And she said, yes. So thank you. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for having me and allowing me this opportunity. I'm really excited to Set the narrative straight. I am too. And I know you are an Enneagram five. So you've got a list already prepared (laughs) for what you want to say. But I I will start with who I was told you were. When I first met you, to give a little context, I was the worst female in the ministry at that time. Meaning that my testimony was just so much worse and that I was such a problem. I was having a lot of sex. I was misbehaving. I was a wild card. And then you came along and quickly I was compared to you. And there was now this debate over, well, who's worse, Liza or Amanda? Who's more sexual? Is it Liza or Amanda? But who won that debate, according to the lead pastor, because you were a stripper. And for how many years, 10 plus years, have I known you to be Amanda the stripper? Right. Discover what a month ago, two months ago, you were never a stripper. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things and lies that have been said that I decided, you know what? My husband's known all along you know, cause he heard the stories, you know, that's just kind of what they say. That's just kind of what they label it. And he would always ask me, why don't you ever just correct them? And I just thought, you know, I've tried. They tell you, I say, I say they, the leaders specifically, the head honcho as Rachel put it, if she would correct, she corrected it back. Mm-hmm. And I just went along with it. I thought, you know, I'm not going to argue with her. I'm not, I always felt beneath and lower than dirt and scum, no matter how hard I tried to climb the ladder or how many women I led, I would always be the stripper in their eyes. And so I just left it. It just felt easier that way. That's called gaslighting. I did not know that then, but it's shocking how many times she was able, she, as in the lead pastor was able to gaslight us to believe her narrative of our story. Yeah. I don't know how many times it happened to me and and to multiple other people to convince you, you know what? Yeah, sure. That makes sense. I, I was a stripper. And then that's the narrative. But can you tell me why did she label you a stripper? Was that a blatant lie? Was that a misunderstanding? How did we get to, oh, Amanda was a stripper. That's a big accusation. <laughs> It is for <laughs> for my 21st birthday. Some girlfriends had taken me to a strip club. Never been before. And so they wanted to embarrass me, you know, and like, you know, make you blush. And it was it was hilarious, like looking back. And, you know, I thought, sure. I like, I want to be able to look back in my life and shock my kids and say, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> you don't take it that seriously then. Yeah. And so I go because I'm there and I'm a little behind at the time in my life. I was in between jobs, switching over. And my girlfriends are like, hey, you could work here. You've got like a nice body. And I was like, oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> like, no, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're telling me, you know what you could do if you're really like low on cash? And I was like, what? So they tell me you could just snap some pictures and go on this plenty of fish app. And it's a dating app. And yep. just 
tell a couple pictures. And I was just like, no. And they popped out their boobs right there on the spot, took pictures and showed me just how much money they got for that. Wow. That was it for me. And I did that a few times. And I'm so ashamed to say that. But I want to set the narrative straight. And so I did that. And I'm telling this story to this lead pastor because I got back from my birthday (laughs) and went to confessing your sins. Yeah. (laughs) And one of my friends now, she said, did you have to go through a deliverance for that? And I was like, I did. I totally forgot that. I had to go through a deliverance because they were afraid I'd become a lesbian now or. So because you sent some pictures on the Plenty of Fish app, you were a stripper. So in conversation with her, letting her know, yeah, tattletelling part. Mm-hmm. on yourself she said there's no difference you can pop your boobs out on a pole and dance a little better you can throw your boobs out on some website there's no difference and so for me I stopped fighting back it because I was like I could see that now I'm like girl I didn't get no w2 it, yes that, that was my next question <laughs> you know I'm like no I there's a very big difference <laughs> did you ever get on a pole did you ever no. No. give someone a laugh dance no now it's called OnlyFans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that just makes me go. So if you have a lot of sex, like I was, does that make you a stripper? Oh, the same thing. A prostitute. <laughs> a prostitute. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'll ask. I'll reach out and just ask. Can I clarify? They won't talk. I, just, I stopped fighting that. And I just thought, oh, whatever. She's very convincing. She does well at making you believe what she wants you to believe. And I've heard from multiple, multiple people, both from this ministry and from outside of it, people in the community of that little town who just know who she is will all say, she's very convincing. And so you do just get tired of fighting that fight and you just believe it. So I thought all of these years you had been a stripper And I was shocked when you weren't, but I also thought, and I found this out just recently, like before we started recording this podcast, I thought you were a stoner. (laughs) I, I thought all of this time that you were just smoking weed all the time. Oh my gosh. That was, that was a part of the narrative. You were, were you dating this guy? You were kind of with this one guy who smoked a lot of weed. Yeah, and- no, I didn't really date anybody. Okay. I just slept around. You know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, this guy smoked a lot of weed. So I just thought that's what you were doing all the time. And whenever you were absent, well, where's Amanda? Oh, she's she's off. Oh you my know? God. House. And so I just found out that you really never smoked a lot of pot at all. Maybe a handful of times. Wow. Now, <laughs> no one called you a stoner. That's the only name I could come up with myself. It's just yeah, because you were so often associated with people who are doing drugs, then the assumption is, is that you're partaking in all the drugs. Yeah. Only to discover that that was not a thing. <laughs> I was actually terrified. I was like, oh no, I can't do that. I'm going to get in so much trouble. <laughs> Not even with the head, uh, with the head pastor. I was just for myself. I was afraid of it. Like I said, I just found out about that two seconds ago. So I wanted to bring that up. 
but the stripper one I for sure wanted to address, but you also have several other lies that came out through the years that you wanted to address before we dive into that. I know we've already introduced who you are. I know in the very first podcast where we had our round table with you and several other women, we all went around and said, you know, this is where I came from. This is how I got into this ministry. This is what kept me there. But for those who haven't listened, can you just give a brief recap so we can refresh people's memory and paint this picture before we go dive into all of these other lies? For sure. So when I came into the organization, I was in between jobs and, you know, I'm putting everything else out there. So I had gotten caught up in an an adulterous relationship. I was not married. The gentleman was, Hmm. Uh, I knew about it. We, he had ended up having to quit his job because it went against his code of like character code of conduct type thing for his career. And we made our own amends on the side of that. I did not have to quit, but everybody at this workplace where I worked knew. And I was just, they were like, well, you can go back and we know we might watch you for a little bit, but I was like, nope, I'm out. (laughs) You know, it's just, it was embarrassing. And it was already over for such a long time already. Like I wasn't, we weren't involved anymore because we felt bad. That's the state of my of myself that I was in when I was working this snow cone stand. I remember that freaking snow cone stand. <laughs> right? And there was this group of people with this big sign. Then they were fundraising to go out of the country on a mission trip and it happened to be y'all. And I'd seen y'all there before because I'd worked there for a while. And I just remember looking at one of the guys and thinking, man, I am so attracted to him. And not really knowing why, because he was fat. And I was not attracted but to fat. I had forgotten that you were attracted to him until you mentioned it this morning. And I just thought, oh, because I know who you're talking about. I'm like, ew. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, I'm embarrassed to show pictures of a lot of the guys I was with because you're, you know, you're just, you're messed up and yeah. you don't value yourself. You don't think good things about yourself. So who are you going to be attracted to? It makes sense. For sure. And so I always just chopped it up to, okay, I'm, it has to be that I'm attracted to like that. He's a Christian man. Mm-hmm. That godly man maybe I'm attracted to just that type of guy now like that safe type of person only to find out he was actually a a predator like a sexual predator of children and something that resonates with me because I was a victim of that when I was a little kid so and I like recently just made that connection of like oh my gosh you know because any counselor you go to will tell you that's something and well any counselor I've ever gone to will tell you if you find yourself in this situation again it's normal do we want that to happen no but we also want you to be prepared mentally physically and emotionally to report it so we can work through you through it you know what I mean yes and this guy is a pedophile and that's yes. hard for me to say actually because yeah. he is a likable guy very And it, to this day, breaks my heart. The confession he made, he made a confession. And this ministry does not believe in reporting things like that. They just believe deliverance fixes all things. So they did not turn him in. He has made several sexual, oh, I don't want to say crimes, just, well, I mean, they are crimes, but he's a sexual guy. 
And that's very well known and is actually really good with kids. I know you have your own story to tell. We can get there in a little bit. The lead pastor encourages that he babysits, like recommends that he babysits because he's so good with kids knowing he's a pedophile. And you know, that would be one thing. Like I believe in the power of deliverance and power of healing. Even our church that we go to does background checks. Mm-hmm. And you could be as healed as ever. You're not working in the kid department with that. Yeah. You're not. It could be 20, 30 years. You're not working in that department yeah. for the safety of the children. At that point, it's no longer about you. It's about the kids. For me, they took that away when they told me he was safe. Mm-hmm. And they told me, yeah, let him watch your kids. And thankfully, I never did. But I let him in my house. I let him around my kid. We went on date nights together. We like as like I married my husband. And then he was dating one of my good friends. And so we went on date nights together. Just wanted to clarify that. <laughs> I was like, wait, you went on dates with more yeah. things that I didn't know. No, no, no. Another lie. I was there when he made this confession. We were at wow. a purity retreat and Rachel was there and Angela and a lot of other people were there when he made this big confession. And I think he was genuine about it. I think he was really trying to seek help, but because we don't call the police and because we have to protect the ministry. There were lies told about what happened that day. And even as someone who witnessed bits of that day, I was told a very different story. And it wasn't until October, I think October, 2022, that I finally got the true story of what happened that day. And it broke my heart. I cried. For sure. Because we all had an idea. We all figured, but it wasn't confirmed. You want to believe the best, especially when you've got someone who's likable. Yeah. So you were drawn to him. You allowed him around your kids and he was recommended to babysit your children by the pastor. And then you find out the truth years later. Mm -hmm. Oh, it had me fire angry as even if, like I said, even if you're healed from that, that's something that as a parent, I need to know. Yeah. We were telling your story of how you came in here. It was just one more thing, one more lie that causes big problems. (laughs) Well, and it's a good thing to show that though, I think, because not only do they change the narrative in what they might think is, you know, a healthy way and it'll bring more people in way, but they also change the narrative for people who it's just too ugly. We can't actually let people see that or they'll actually leave. They actually won't bring their kids to the Bible study. They actually might leave, you know, because I just stopped on the dime. Yep. That's a really good minute. Yeah. Because we're not creating a safe environment and there are a lot of sexual predators. We've said that before. This one happens to be a pedophile, but there's just a lot of guys there who are in leadership. They've raped girls. I was one of them. And they have been very sexual. They've sexually harassed. They've stalked. They have not made women feel safe. And yet new girls who come in and don't know the history are encouraged to date these guys. Yeah, absolutely. So safety seems to not be a priority and people's reputation. Oh, we will decide based on how well, we like them, whether or not we're going to protect him. This guy was protected. A lot of the guys who are there currently are protected. You, you weren't, I mean, you were made out to be a stripper. You were made out to be a witch, which is another thing we can address and made out to be a 
whole lot of other things, but we're not going to protect you because, well, you're rebellious and you spoke out against the lead pastor. You might as well have spoken out against God himself. Yeah, for sure. The witch one, that, that is one, that is a blatant lie that I heard that has, that is never been a part of my story. That's never been, it's not a misunderstanding. That is a flat out lie. You know, like others on, you know, our team, it's been said about us that our names were written on a whiteboard and next to it, witch, that that's what we are. Like recently, like since that was what, November? 2022 worst mine and Angela's name are on a whiteboard were on a whiteboard in the coffee house was it the coffee house or was it the lead pastor's house somewhere and we were labeled witches so I don't know what that's for I don't know if they were making a hit list I don't know know. (laughs) (laughs) these are the people that we have to pray against I don't know what that was for we never got to the bottom of it we weren't even doing anything then there was nothing we weren't changing anything and so for me, that fired me up to just, you know what, it's going to be really uncomfortable and it's going to be really scary. And there's going to be a lot of questions, but I'm going to change that. Yeah. I'm going to tell the hundred percent truth on everything, on everything that ever happened there. And I'm not, and I'm not going to sit down and shut up when I can hear her in the back, the leader in the back of my head telling me to anytime I would ever want to say anything else other than I'm a stripper mm-hmm. and this is my testimony or how they just, they really want to strip your identity, any type of identity that you have in Christ. It seems their goal is to completely strip it away, almost like in an identity theft way mm-hmm. and take it all and replace it with what they see and what they think. And like I said, whether it's for your good or bad, it's being replaced. You know, if you're in that right now, if you're in that, it's being replaced Absolutely. and you are not who you say you are because you're schizophrenic or you're a witch. So they don't know what they're thinking. They don't know what they're saying. And that's what witches do. We cast spells. She told you that. How did she come to the conclusion that you were a witch? How did that happen? It was like a two-way story. The first happening was she came, so she came to us and she was like, Hey, the guy that apparently you had dated, but you really didn't. had gotten into this car accident in her vehicle. They were trying to figure out why, you know, everything's a demon over there, literally everything. Yeah. And I don't say that lightly or to exaggerate or embellish. Everything is a demon. If they're not telling you it's a demon, they're telling somebody else in the background that it's a demon, you know, their own little circle. And so she's telling me this and, and I'm like, okay, like, is your car okay? How are you? Do you need you know, I've got an extra vehicle if y'all need it, if you need it, is what I was thinking of saying. And then she says, yeah, they think you put a spell on my car. For what? I was like, what? <laughs> and he hit, but he hit a deer though. And I just thought, he's a bad joke. I joked back about it. And I was like, yeah, that's not anywhere on my insurance. You know what I mean? I was just like, what? <laughs> but why was that his first response? What, what led yeah. up to... So he hits a deer, he crashes the car, but his response is to run to the lead pastor and say, Amanda put a spell on your car. Oh yeah. No. So that wasn't the first response. The first response was to this girl, to the owner. Well, you know, you know how they do something goes wrong in your life. What do they ask you? Are you armoring up? Yes. Are you praying? Have you fasted? Did you really fast? Yes. Do you have oh, unsurrendered? I'm, I have chills because I'm remembering every miscarriage I ever had. That was the drill. It was all, there was something I didn't do. I, that's the message. You're not enough. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is 
important enough. You're not who you say you are. You're not doing what you say you're doing. And never have miscarried if you were armored up, praying, fasting, casting out demons delivered, your miscarriages never would have happened. Yeah. 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 According to them. But why didn't why didn't she look at him after crashing the car and say, Well, were you not armored up? What happened there? I know. (laughs) I don't know how that conversation went. I just know that it very quickly turned into, okay, well, who's been in your vehicle? You know, then they're like, okay. Who's been in your space? Who's been in your apartment? What did they bring in with them? Oh, yeah, that was always a thing. What did they bring in really spiritually? Yep. Yeah. You know, we all have things following us at all times because of what we're doing. And so that so that narrative came from my last night there. I had and I knew it would either be my last night or it would start a whole new conversation with the leaders that we'd never we'd never been on that level of vulnerability, of truth, of anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I let my husband know that night. I was like, look, honestly, tonight I'm gonna find out if this organization is unhealthy, you know, because I've been telling people, yeah, no, you can go there. It's okay. I mean, you know, chew the meat, spit out the bones. But I would always say that. Which is a, a lot of people would say, and and some still say that wasn't my experience. There's some unhealthiness, but it's not that bad. I've I've been around unhealthy. I've been unhealthy. They so that night I was telling my husband, I said, I'm going to find out if tonight how they they respond to me. Excuse me, their response to me is going to tell me if they are unhealthy or if they're doing things on purpose and they're a cult. Were mm. my exact words to him, and so I really don't like using the cult word because it's. It's this big word. It's a big four-letter word, right? But that was my viewpoint years ago when I'd left. And he just casually was like, oh, yeah, there. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> he, he was like, yeah, I know. I've known for a long time. But I, you need to know for yourself. You needed to find out for yourself. I've, I've supported you with this. So go find out, and I'll be here. And lo and behold, their response was wild. And I, I'd had a word for uh, the lead pastor, and I called her. I was trying to call her to let her know beforehand, before she got up and, you know, spoke. And what uh, is a word for word. those who don't know? Can you clarify? Ooh. What is that? I have a word for someone. What does that mean? For So for me, when I say that, it's something that will encourage you and it will confirm, you know, God's already been telling you this. I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know that you haven't already gotten in your spirit first. That part goes, I've never had a problem speaking out with that. The, fir- the closer and closer I got to leaving the organization, the more and more malady I got. And I would tell people that I was like, yeah, I mean, we don't really agree on this out openly, but mm-hmm. I thought we could be two respectful adults and disagree and walk away from each other and it was okay and I was so wrong and I know so many people right now believe that about them people who are in it believe that that when you walk away when you go home at the end of the night your opinion and your thoughts and your theology is respected and I'm here to tell you it's absolutely not I've been in meetings where I've heard that they're not oh Um, yeah I just never knew that I was the topic and which was naive of me to think that I would never be on the chopping block. We've all been in the meetings, especially if you were high up in leadership, talking about how somebody's in rebellion, somebody's not sold out, living for the Lord. There's this problem. So we have to break up this couple or we have to put this person with this person or like plotting and planning and playing with everybody's life to go a certain way. And if you got really close to the lead pastor, she would confide in you and tell you what she really thought about a Mm -hmm. lot of people. And you always thought you were special to receive Mm -hmm. such privileged information. If she's going to put, if someone, anyone, not just her, but if anyone's going to put you or put somebody else on a chopping block, 
and tell you about it, don't, you're not special. You're going to be on the chopping block yourself if you aren't already. So was um, it because you had gotten this word? Oh, right. So I'd given her this word and she was like, she didn't tell me. She told, and I let her know at the very end of it, I let her know if this isn't, if you, if this doesn't line up with the Bible for you, if this doesn't line up with what God is telling you about these five different things, tell me. I was asking her to correct me. I was asking for redirection to me. She just said, okay. Because you should practice. Years later, it wasn't years later till I found out. She actually, that night, she told people not to talk to me. If they, like, if I went to talk to them, they were to redirect me to them. The next time I went after that night, nobody, nobody looked at me. Nobody spoke to me. I would go up and I started catching wind of it because like I said, they didn't talk to me about it. They didn't correct me. They weren't like, Hey, so that's actually not mine. I'm okay with that. I could take that. It would not have hurt my feelings, but they you never want to practice the gifts of the spirit, right? So Good. you are talking about a word of knowledge, which yes. is the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is biblical. And we are to practice sure. that. And you're a human being, so you're going to get it wrong sometimes. So it's healthy for you to say, hey, I feel like I have this word of knowledge. I'm going to give it to you. If it if, if it doesn't resonate with you, let me know. Like That is the posture we should all take. You give a word. You ask to be corrected if it if it's not resonating with the lead pastor she says nothing she just turns around and tells everyone not to speak to you yep you don't get the memo until nobody's no <laughs> and then I came home that night this is a week later I came I came I left early because I was getting the message loud and clear and I left and I came home to my husband and I was like oh my gosh you were right I can see it all now oh. all of it is all of it was lining up for me perfectly so that's when you left that is when, yeah, my Facebook, I deleted everybody. I didn't even say anything. I was like, they're not even talking to me now. <laughs> I'm Which deleting. Is so <laughs> nice for you, actually, because people talked to me. I had <laughs> because they wouldn't leave me alone. I got stalked and yelled at and they just let you go. So it's, it's interesting, the contrast. So did the whole car wreck and which accusation happen before or after you officially left? After. Those are years apart. Oh, wow. Years apart. And you're still a witch. Why? Why do they continue to say... So according to the lead pastor, that word confirmed for her that I was a false prophet, that I had to have been practicing witchcraft because I was, and this is what she's telling people, this is a false narrative. One time, and this part is true, I don't know how truthful she tells it. I had asked her a question about, about Psalm 91 because they lean very heavily on that scripture. Yes, they have written, I don't know how many versions of Psalm 91 books that that was a big deal. And we would go on mission trips loaded down. Each person had to carry two 50 pound bags around full of just books. And we had to pass out Psalm 91 books to everyone. Yes. No. Yeah. I remember watching on way then. It was wild to me. <laughs> the packing, weighing. I never read them. I want to say that. <laughs> I want to make a public confession and say that I never read. You just want that to be no. I've read Psalm 91 in the Bible. Yeah, for sure. Great chapter. If you haven't read it in the Bible, I recommend that. But the, the her books, no, never. And I'm in one of them. My testimonies in one of them as well. Never read it. <laughs> yeah. Did you? Read, um, did you? Read I it? did. Yes. 
No, I was trying to like show up and show off for her. And so I read them. She could ask me anything and I was ready for it. <laughs> Good job. Uh, did the work study book, all the things. I was like, oh, I'm ready for this. She, she would ask me, ask did me. you read them? Yes, but I just, I just, I didn't want to be in trouble. I just was so tired of being in trouble. So I didn't, so I lied. It would keep me from deliverances. I, I don't think it. <laughs> so your story was put in the Psalm 91 books as well, correct? Yes. And you discovered just recently, which I love that your story is not the same story that you turned in to be put in the book. It's actually been embellished, which in conversations over the last few months, we have all talked about how, you know, the lead pastor writes all of these versions of Psalm 91 and she interviews people and has interviewed people from all over the world. It's not just us who were members of the organization. And she writes their story about how God protected them. And we all know because she has said from her own mouth that she embellishes, but she doesn't say it like, oh, I just lie or embellish. She kind of makes a joke about it. And I'm, I'm yeah. blanking on the exact words that she would use, but it was to the effect of, like, oh, we'll just fluff it. You fluff it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this story just needs a little fluff. Or <laughs> excitement, like that kind of stuff. But we've been frustrated because we can't prove that. There's no one who has come out saying, oh my gosh, I read my testimony in this book and it's just a lie or it's wrong until you did some digging in your own story. So share with us what you discovered about you. Yeah, because I could not remember for the life of me. There, there's so many things from that part of my past that just kind of run together like Groundhog Day. And yeah. It feels like it all happened at the same time, all on the same day. So I had turned in something similar, but not this. I started reading it because I just, I thought, you know what? I think I still have that book. I think I still have that little study somewhere. Let me pull that out. Let me just look and see because it's bothered me that that's still out there and so I just thought well what does it say <laughs> what did I put in there anyway because you know she would say well you know turn in this copy put it on this flash drive turn the flash drive to me and we'll have she'd say that her editor would edit things in and out oh yeah well our editor and then she'd give you back the copy and say okay does this look good and I remember her doing that a few times and reading over it and this is not the last copy that I signed off on. Because you have the original copy, correct? You have yes. the copy you wrote and submitted to her and that is not what was published. And obviously when you're going through the editing process, that does happen. You do yeah. take things out, move things around, but you should be all in agreement over what gets published. Yes, like there's a whole paragraph though that I just thought, that did not happen. I did not say that. And mm -hmm. even in the story, it doesn't add up. There's a chunk, the page before, and there's a chunk, the page after that disproves that. Wow. That I'm shocked at. I'm like, oh my gosh, here she says, or here, according to the story, I say that the lead pastor, the lead pastors of this college ministry, that they're the reason 
they're the reason why this deliverance worked. Deliverance for what? You see me fighting for it. You see me fighting again with it and saying, like, you know, it it doesn't go with the flow of the story at all. What was the deliverance for? It was for cutting. That three-hour session that I talked about briefly, they ended up telling me in the end that, it, oh, it's death and we can't get that off of you right now. We're, and I left so afraid. That was actually the first time I got high was when I left from that deliverance because, and I made that connection the other day. I was so oh, afraid. Because now you're anxious <laughs> and fear for your life. So what are you going to do? When you don't have tools, you're going to go smoke a lot of weed. So you're not anxious. And it wasn't my plan. I I left and I was terrified. I was terrified of what they were telling me of that. They just left it. I had just been re-traumatized. They literally told me your eyes went black and I knew it was the spirit of death on you, but we'll have to get that another day. I was like, so you're just going to go to bed that night and lay in bed and go, well, I got scared of death. I hope I wake up in the morning. I was afraid to drive. I was afraid to go to work because I worked in a nursing home. I was literally afraid of killing patients because the spirit of death was on me. What if I hopped on one of them? Because that's how it works to them. It just hops on people. But if they knew, if they heard, which they will, because they're listening to this podcast, that you got high for the first time that night, then that's going to be demonically driven and is going to be to their point. But so, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. You go through this deliverance with them and they call it a successful deliverance in the book. And you're saying no. In the book, I actually go to church and this woman who still goes to that church, I love so much, just starts speaking into my life. She sees the cuts because I cut again. Mm -hmm. I left there, I got high, I cut again. Or no, I cut again. And then I went to this, guy's house and we got high cutting wasn't enough at this point I was terrified she starts speaking all of these things all these things and it was so amazing even the timeline is wrong because it talks about how a few weeks after I had my daughter and I was just like were you pregnant at that time no there's some timelines there that I'm like they have this so screwed up and have they gone through the editing process as they should have that you would have read this, known that, and corrected it. Yes. So this lady comes to you at church, not a part of this organization. She starts speaking into you after you've cut again, after this failed deliverance. I would call it a word because there were already things that I believed about myself that when when I went into this organization, I was I was reading my Bible. You know, I was doing wild and crazy things, but I was still reading my Bible and still desperate for God's presence in my life and for his peace and for his joy, you know? I remember really it resonating with me being John 8, where it talks about the woman caught in adultery. Like, that was my story. That's what I felt that way. I felt like I was caught, like everybody saw it, everybody knew about it, and I'd even gone... I'd I'd even gone to a church service, not the church we attend now, but a local church service. When I got out of my car, out of the church service and gone to my car, on the back of my window was written homewrecker in big white letters right on the back. It was so embarrassing. I'm like, this is my car. I have to go to it. (laughs) So I just remember booking it, getting in the car. I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could be mad about it. And I'd also just gotten out of church. This was in the church parking lot that this happened. So I'm like, I've been, I've been hurt by church, by a member. I get it. And so I sat there and I just thought, what? One of the guys at this organization actually recommended a book. And I remember I'd, I'd already read it and the word redeemed kept coming to my brain. And I just thought, man, where's my red lipstick? Where 
is my red lipstick. Like that's just the bold, like, you know, when you want to be pretty. And so I put on, I got my red lipstick and I went out there and I wrote redeemed over it in big red. I used the entire tube. I did not care. And I wrote that. And that's how I drove around town. I was like, you know what? That's true. But so is this. And I'm, I'm not going to claim that at all. And it's so funny because before I left this organization, I had asked the lead pastor, pause. I know, I know you were so into that episode and I know you hate ads just like I usually do, but I want to take a second and tell you about the Warriors Apparel. Why Warriors Apparel? Well, it's to remind yourself who you are, a warrior. If you would like your own warrior shirt, you can go to the Warriors Instagram Click on the link tree located in the bio and you will find right at the top, remind yourself who you are apparel. You can choose from a hoodie, crew neck, unisex t-shirt, or a v-neck t-shirt. They come in two different colors and all the sizes. Go to the link in the bio on Instagram to purchase yours today. Now back to your favorite podcast. Because I knew I was leaving. So I wanted to know, you know, what was, what, was it real? You know, you have that feeling inside of you that you didn't want to break up. And you're like, was it ever real? Was it always fake? Was it always a power trip for them? Like, what was it? Did you they know? really love me? Do they really have my best interest? Yes. Was it just that they really love me, but they're not healthy? Yeah, you don't. I'd asked her, what is, you know, I've been around 10 plus years. And I asked her, what is your favorite story about me? What is your favorite just when you think of me, what do you think about? And she said that story. My God, I've overcome so much more than just that moment. I had been through so much already. I was still currently going through so much that I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. And at first it made me really mad and like a slap in the face type feeling. And then I thought, you know, that's really who I am though, is who they really tried to wash out, just water down that part of my personality that did speak up, that mm-hmm. did have, that did confront things that had the hard conversations. I just, I wasn't quiet. You know, I, I would tell them openly, I watch Harry Potter. <laughs> so like, you know, and that was just such an awful thing or, but that's every, like, it didn't have to have witchcraft in it. It could be, you're watching friends. You and I are similar in the sense that we came in with a lot of trauma. We came yeah. having been sexually abused, having been in really unhealthy relationships Like we've stated before, a lot of people have come into this ministry and I think it's a little bit of a testimony to them or a testament to us and them for coming into this ministry because they wouldn't have been there if they didn't want to help. You know, I came into this ministry because I knew I wasn't okay. I, I had no radar for how bad things actually were. I had no words to describe what I actually went through. I had some, but, and this ministry looked at me and said, we can help you. And they did that to you. And they did that to so many other people. And what really grieves me, but also infuriates me. A lot of people, they've come to this ministry seeking help, seeking change, and they've left 
far worse. I mean, the the stories of people who are atheists, of people who are angry at God, angry at the church, people who came in struggling with their gender and their sexuality, who were really seeking help. They left far worse and far more confused than they were coming in. And that's upsetting because ministry should help you. Yeah. Ministry should point you in the right direction. And in the last 10, 12 years, things just have gotten worse and worse and worse. It is unreal to me the amount of brokenness and trauma that has come out of that ministry in the last 10 years. Obviously, we were there over 10 years ago, and it wasn't super healthy then, but certainly since that divorce, when she took over the ministry entirely, it has become horrendous. I say all that to ask you, how do you come back from having experienced so much trauma before this ministry, you experienced so much more in this ministry and you were lied to and you were lied about so many times. And we only covered a couple of things. So you could easily be a person that leaves and goes, forget the church, forget God. Christians are hypocrites. They're liars. I don't trust them. I mean, you have a lot of so-called justified reasons to throw up your middle finger and be done. You are in church you raise your family in church. Not only do you attend, but you are a part of the worship team. How do, how do you, and your husband is, yeah. How, how do you do that? After we, after I had left, we did stop everything for a whole year. There was so much that we had to detox from that we had to get out of our spiritual system mm. and decide for ourselves as a couple, as a unified couple because for so long they had wanted my husband in this organization. They oh, yeah. wanted he never cared for it. Yeah. yeah. He never cared for it. He'd even gone on a mission trip one time just to see. Mm-hmm. And he thought, you know, that was good. She wasn't the leaders were not on this trip. That was good, but it's mm-hmm. not for me. But even after that, it was like we just we really that's really my answer. We really had to detox a lot. We had to like totally wipe the slate clean. And dissect everything we'd ever been told as a couple and you know we have three kids now so we had to figure out what do we believe together what do we want to teach our kids what do we want what are we good with being in the gray area yeah what are we good with just coming together and saying you know we don't agree on that and that's okay that's not gonna that's not a make or break for our relationship for heaven for our witness um or first worshiping together and so that took a whole that took a whole two years We just got back into church a year ago, but we never, for both of us, we never stopped believing in God. We never stopped. We watched sermons online at home. Like we never stopped feeding ourselves scripturally, spiritually off the cuff answer for that would really be, it's, it's truly, I'm going to take it back to the woman caught in adultery. And even that night when she was telling me that that was her favorite story, you know, I said it was like a slap in the face for her to say that. And I thought about it and I got along with the Lord that night. And I thought, you know, why is it? Why do I feel that way? I mm-hmm. kind of knew this would happen. Why do I feel so hurt by this, by this organization? Why do I feel like retracting from everything and just going in myself and just it being just you and me? Why do I feel like going to the caves with you, going to the mountaintop with you and not coming down until you and I 
have this clear understanding. It goes, it goes, it really does go right back to her of God did not, Jesus, when he confronted her, he wasn't confronting her. Everybody else was. Everybody mm. else was condemning her. They went and pulled her out. It says, like the scripture tells you that, that they went and pulled her out of her sin and threw her in front of her and said, okay. And it was a trap. And which I think is interesting that it was a trap. And this is what this, this organization does though. All the time, they're always pulling people out of beds. They're always sending people. I remember that's why I got high the other four times. Yeah. <laughs> so afraid that they were going to come drag me out of the house. And because they told me that if yes. we find out you're at that guy's house, we're going to come drag you out. We're going to pull you out. We're going to do a deliverance on you. Don't let us find you there. And so I told this guy who I didn't know at the time was actually an ex-member and he, yes. and so he got freaked out. So he started lighting up a joint and he was like, do you want one? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we, were we were both petrified that they were going to come like running in and pulling us out and doing these forced they deliveries. Would. And it is shocking to this day, how they find you. I don't know. Like <laughs> they have people planted all over that freaking town. I was I always found. I was always yeah. found, which says a lot about them. It does. So we were both terrified and he was telling me stories. So I was getting more terrified. And then he was the next member on top of that. So we were just in a whole other world that night. It was just terror from them. I thought about that story and I went back to that time in my life and I thought I shouldn't be afraid of that. That's not love. Jesus himself did not go and pull this woman out of her bed. He didn't tell them, yes, let's do a force. Let's do a deliverance on her. Let's pray this off of her. Instead, he was like, okay, let the first person who's never sinned throw the first stone. And when it says, the Bible says one by one, they left. And then it was just him and her. And so for me, I had to go back to that. I had to go back to where it was just him and I, and he was telling me who I was and it wasn't, and, but it had to go so deep. It had to go so far into me that it was nobody. I remember I had already blocked them, but I disconnected from anything that I followed. I just like, and even healthy, I disconnected from Bethel things that I was following on Instagram and, and they're good, but I had to know what I believed first. I had to know and just be 100% sure because I thought I was and I wasn't. And I got my butt in therapy. That yeah. was a huge help to yeah. talk it out with somebody. And I made sure that person wasn't saved because I didn't, I didn't want that from anybody. I didn't want that filter to come from anybody, but God himself for our whole marriage. That's how it was. Anytime we ever had breakthroughs or had gotten over a hurdle, it had always come back to where it really, him and I both felt like God met us in our apartment and had a session with us. And we were able to, instead of fighting back to back, I mean, fight face to face, we were fighting back to back, everything around us. And it changed things. When instead of submitting to this woman, I was submitting to my husband. I think that changed things immensely. Instead of going against what God created to be healthy, to be good and safe, I was over here. I was trying to submit to her. I was trying to get my husband to go and no. And exactly. so I love and so appreciate my husband so much. I just want to give him a shout out because I don't know many, I don't know many people who would do that, who would allow that to happen, who would see something going on that's really unhealthy and probably not okay. And then have kids on top of that and let it happen and say, you know what? 
I trust that the, and this is what he told me. He said, I trusted that the God in you would eventually wake up. We just cried. We cried and we were so glad and so happy. And I can honestly say it needed to happen. We needed to be shook up. We needed to be exactly who we are with nobody to come and save us, with nobody to come and say, oh, well, that's just a demon. That's just a demon. No, that's your mental health and you need to take care of it. Your, how your body responds to this and you don't need to get that out of you, you know? No, that makes sense. When you've been through something so <laughs> extreme, you've got to, you, you've yeah. got, you're going to swing to the other side, really, whether you like it or not. So I will say two things. One, your story with your husband is so incredible and so powerful. I would love to have you both speak sometime because based on what you've both been through, you should not be married. Like life. All right. They told us our marriage would never make it without them. That if he, they were yelling at my face at one point, they were saying your marriage will not make it unless your husband submits to this leadership Mm -hmm. and starts attending. And y'all start attending as a united couple. Every, they said from every time the doors are open, anytime there's early morning prayer, told me so much to say if he's not leading here he's not leading you and I just my brain was just exploding and imploding and they told me that a few weeks before I got to the point where I was like bye bye yes (laughs) you know because I just thought that's not biblical that's not how God sees it no and and so it's it is so interesting to me how you were told that so blatantly and here you both are and both of you in your individual story and in your marriage story have been through so much and you've overcome it and you've clung to the Lord. Did you have to speak to an extreme for a minute just to go, wait, what do I believe? Yeah, I did that. What I love about your story is that you partnered with your husband and together you worked out, what do we believe? And what are we teaching our kids? Yeah. And now you're back in church. Before we close, I want to, I want to ask you this. When you first went back to church, how did that go? Was that really difficult? It was so hard. They, they really lean on order of, okay, like our church right now is striving and naturally. So I think there should be order for sure. You know, God is a God of order and justice. There were several things that we looked for, but I didn't want to go back. I felt like it was too soon. Like I just, I was in a mode where I thought, you know, I don't, I'm not ready to be seen yet. I'm not ready to be heard yet. I'm not ready to speak about everything we've just gone through because I feel like it was like cleaning out a closet. And so, you know, you walk into a room and everything is out of the closet. That's the best way to clean out a closet is to get it all out and all in the open. Right. And then go through it and decide, you know, what do you keep? What do you throw away? What do you need to fix? that's worth saving. I thought, you know, that's one of those things that's worth saving. That's one of the church is one of those things that's worth the effort because we missed the community. We missed the, the people rallied around us, our, our true church family, where we could be ourselves, um, no matter what that looks like and that we were safe and accepted. And so I let him know really quick. I said, you know, I'll go for sure. I'll follow you anywhere. I don't want to stay. I don't want us to stay if it's not safe, if it's not if I don't feel secure, if I don't feel like I can be heard. And I didn't mean that in a worship sense. I meant that when I speak, I don't want to be told to shut up anymore. Yeah. You know, I'm really tired of that. I'm really tired of being hushed because it doesn't match what everybody else is doing or saying. You can disagree with it, but I want to be heard. I want to be respected and honored. Thankfully, they are so 
our, our church family is so amazing. And I'm even leading a small a little gospel circle on the side, which was so out of my comfort zone. <laughs> which I loved that you started that. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it because you you have to do that. You you have to put yourself in certain positions to challenge yourself. Yeah. It's one thing when you've been hurt, when you have been violated to acknowledge I was a victim. I experienced pain. I experienced trauma, whatever. For me, unfortunately, because I was so far up in leadership, not only was I a victim of some things, I was a perpetrator. So I have had to eat dirt for that. But I think, yes, you acknowledge I'm angry. I'm hurt. I'm frustrated. I don't know what I believe. I'm confused, whatever. But what pains me is when people stay there, especially when it comes to God, because the the church is full of humans who are going yeah. to hurt you. We can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And so as uncomfortable and painful as it is, I think it speaks a lot to the person who finally goes, okay, I'm going to make myself go to church and start a small group and put myself in these positions where I have to be on my knees and work that out with God. If you're not doing that, working that out with the Lord, then don't, don't even try. I love your story. I love that you are a testimony of someone who experienced an, an enormous amount of trauma before this organization. And like, like Rachel, well, like all of us, but even like Rachel, I said on her podcast, you have a lot of reasons to have walked away from church forever and walked away from God forever. And your life could have turned out so differently. You didn't allow that to happen. And no, you know, when I look back on my story, I, you know, for sure, I see all the hurt and I see all the things that have been said. And they've said some wild things, probably the most hurtful accusation that they have said is that Addie is not Richie's daughter. Yes. And when we tell people that, and we don't tell a lot of people, and now it's out there, but when we tell people that, they're shocked. For them to say that is such a, that's it's a heavy accusation. Why do um, they say that? The guy that, again, from year forever ago, you know, before we were married, before my husband and I were together, he got into a lot of trouble, went to prison, he wrote the leader a letter um, basically saying, this girl that's it, that was in your care at one point, um, I'm looking for her. She has my daughter. I want my daughter back. And I just thought, oh my. And so they think it's me. And they have been telling, not to the point where like, they don't even, they not only think that it's me, they are telling people this is, that's me. And that's my, that's his daughter. And you um, never pregnant by him. You were Never, not one time. Never had a scare anything. And you've offered a DNA test, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. I have offered that. I have so many times. When I heard about that, the first person I went to was my husband and his family. And I said, Hey, listen, this is a very this is a big thing to say. This is a big deal. I'm not just gonna brush over and say, Oh, ha, ha, ha. like I have all the other things. Even the witch accusation. I just, you know, at first I laughed about it. But then this happened. I thought, okay. They're digging into the next generation. They're talking about my daughter in a way no daughter should be talked about. Yeah. They're trying to get her identity now. So I just thought, no, that is absolutely never going to happen. That's never going to be something that's going to be even a thought of doubt 
in the back of their minds. And so I let them know. I said, hey, I'm not going to do it because I know for myself, you know, you know, as a woman, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. you have doubts, go get it checked. It's yeah. not a big deal. While I slept around, I also kept track of things anyway. So I let them know at any point in the future, from now to in the future, you don't have to tell me about it. Go get a DNA test done. It's not going to hurt my feelings. Here's where you can do it for free. My husband, I let him know that. You don't ever have to tell me if at any point in time this ever takes you over, do it. And he trusted you. Yeah. He's like, no, I know. Because I, I do not, listen, if I lie, I feel like crap about it. I can't <laughs> eat. I can't sleep. Like, it's just, I don't do it. It's, I'm a different person. I'm just, you and don't do that. <laughs> around, that narrative has gone around. For, since your daughter was born to people who who don't know you no this yeah this and is a small enough town that I thought what if that got around to the church that I go to mm-hmm. what if that got around to my family his family before I could mm-hmm. before I could offer that as a as an option you know it's something that when I think about it, I think how dare they how dare they say that about about a child you had one takeaway for anyone who's listening, if there's one message you wanted a listener to receive from this podcast, what would that be? To the people in the organization, to to the people who are still part of it, specifically to them. And I would say, get alone with God. Get complete, not the leader. Get completely alone with God. Ask him what he thinks of you, who he says that you are. And when it lines up differently, come talk to me and I'll help you get out. Because I guarantee you, it's not going to line up. It has never once lined up in my past and in my past experience with them. And I, for sure, like I love each and every one of them in their own way. I have no respect for any of them at all at this point, but that doesn't change that. I would still be here to help you get out. Yeah. You know, there are consequences for your actions and you better believe we're coming for them because of the victims. That's, it's not fair that the victims don't have justice. And the justice system was created for that. It was created for so many reasons, but for both sides to get justice, for both sides to get redirected. And when you strip, when you just keep it in-house, and this is for anybody, really, when you keep things in-house, you you keep the victim from getting justice. You keep them from getting total freedom. And it's so wrong on so many levels. Yes, you limit <laughs> you yourself. Know? I love that you said that. It does make me emotional because- it's hard. Justice is hard. So many people look at you when you're seeking justice in a, a religious realm and they say, oh, justice is the Lord's. Yeah. Like we're supposed to sit down and wait for it, but God, God really likes to use people. He likes us. I know I've said this, I had to work through what is justice and what is vengeance. I think vengeance is hate. I'm the same as you. I, I have zero respect for anyone who is still there, but that doesn't stop me from loving them and praying for them and, and really hoping that even the perpetrators, like I said, I was one. Yeah. I had to sit on the phone the last six or seven months with people who have said, you said this and you did that. And I've had to go, yeah, I did. I have, yeah. I have eaten the dirt. So eat your dirt and own this stuff, but then also admitting your wrong and your faults, even to those who have committed all of the sexual stuff, the predators, the pedophiles, they're still loved just yeah. the same. And that's a, that is a hard message to preach. We could get off on that. That could be, it's it is over. 
Yeah. But it goes with honor. It goes hand in hand with honor. And that's something that whole organization really leaves out along with many other things. But that the character, that character aspect of God, like they blot it out. They don't even, there's nothing even talked about around it. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for clarifying, for changing the narrative, for being brave enough to come on and say hard things. Thank you for all of the investigating and the whistleblowing. <laughs> I mean, you have been gold. I'm so, so proud of how you've handled all of these things and that you contacted me. You didn't have to choose to contact me, that you contacted me to say, I just want to update you. And <laughs> And so here we are. I think you're great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.